Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, all of your video streaming platforms, the 810 Facebook page and YouTube page, etc., and wherever you get your podcast as well. I am Nate Bucati, joined as always by Allie Trost from her hipster apartment. Allie, how are you? <laughs> Uh, doing well, my hipster quarantine apartment. Yeah. So we are uh, living it up and definitely give it, getting a little stir crazy, that's for sure. Well, Allie's uh, COVID defense maybe is is like up there, 2013 Sporting KC <laughs> level defense, it seems right now. So uh, impressive, impressive for sure. And we hope you uh, you stay safe and healthy. And Carter Augustine in front of the scarf wall at, uh, at Compass Minerals Training Facility. For Sporting KC. What's up, Carter? How are you, man? Doing great, man. Doing great. Yeah. Uh, excited. We're, these games are coming really fast, but might finally get a break after this Houston game. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. Yeah, so there will be a week between games for the first time since this stage of the season began, and we're still waiting to find out what the schedule is going to hold for phase two of this part of the regular season. But, yeah, it's been couple games a week fast and furious ever since uh, sporting kansas city uh, got back from the bubble and to that end we have a busy show for you coming up we're going to recap what uh, of course we're doing this on a thursday this week last night's 1-1 draw against fc dallas a lot to unpack from that 1-1 uh, result we're going to talk about the upcoming game against the houston dynamo one blowout win for Sporting against Houston. One blowout loss for Sporting against Houston. Now they go down to Houston, and we'll see what that match has in store. And we're going to talk with one of the homegrown players who started for Sporting KC, one of four who started for Sporting KC against FC Dallas last night. Cam Duke, Overland Park, native Kansas City kid, making his first ever MLS start, former ball kid at Children's Mercy Park. We're going to have him on the show, which is going to be a lot of fun coming up in a little bit. But first, guys, let's go ahead and rewind to last night's game. FC Dallas versus Sporting KC, a 1-1 draw. FC Dallas with the early goal off the high press. Sporting KC with the answer in stoppage time in the first half with the high press. And then a barrage of shots by Sporting in the second half of the game. Most of them were blocked by the FC Dallas defense. Some of them just went wide of the target. And Sporting ends up settling for one point. Uh, there's a lot to get to with this, guys. I'm just going to tell you how I feel about it. Most times when Sporting KC play to a draw, I think we all have this sense of disappointment. And sure, that is there for me in this one because it felt like Sporting KC, with the way they played, particularly in the second half, deserved another goal and, and three full points out of this. But I do say that FC Dallas deserved a point for the way that they desperately defended like their lives depended on it in this game. And if you do something like that, you deserve to come away with a, uh, a game with something. And they did, but I come away. I've never felt so good about a one, one draw at home in my life. And, and, and the reason why is because of those kids going into a game like that against an FC Dallas midfield, that is among the best in all of MLS at winning tackles, winning duels, playing physically, uh, and, and being suffocating defensively, those kids that went out there and started, I thought answered the bell after they got knocked down early in the game and really showed themselves well. And sure, it's disappointing that they didn't get three points in the game. But for me, 
that bodes so well for the long-term health of this team, both this year and in years to come, that it's hard for me to really think about much else and be upset about it. I don't know how you guys feel, Carter. I'll start with you. You were on the sideline. You talked to some of those guys before and after the game. What did you make of it? Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you just look at the rotation in the squad as well, and you're without Graham Zusi to start. You're without Alan Polito throughout the entire game. Uh, and like you said, the conceding a pretty bad goal to, to start the thing and, and the ability to bounce back. And um, I, I think the three guys in midfield all exhibited and, and showcased their skills. And, you know, Busio, how many interceptions did he have in that game? I mean, fantastic, especially in the second half. You felt like and I thought Jacob Peterson did a good job of explaining this, but Dallas really dropped back and left the two guys up top. And it was tough for them to get the ball to those two guys because Busio seemed like he was cutting everything out. Um, uh, well, then Beasler had, a, I think, a really good half as well, and, and he and Punchets kept it organized. But you saw that from Busio, Cameron Duke. Uh, man, when he when he ran past a couple guys there in the, what was that, the second minute, I thought, yeah. oh, I thought, He's gonna. He's, he should go for goal here. Uh, <laughs> he he was a little unselfish and, and spread it out wide, but he was bright. And then Felipe Hernandez gets the second assist on the goal with a, a really wonderful ball into into Gerso Fernandez, and then he was all over the pitch as well. So yeah, I think I think it's a good point, Nate, that you know a one-one draw at home usually comes off with a bitter taste. And Ali, maybe you could talk to this, but it seemed like Johnny Russell especially was a little a little upset and miffed about their inability to convert some of their chances but there are a lot of positives to take from this game yeah carter absolutely it's funny when you talk to the coach and he's showing a lot of optimism after that game because of everything that we did learn about this team in that game number one we learned that if you start the entire midfield with your homegrown players they can hold their own and once they get settled really be contributing players for this team and i think when you look at the long-term, Nate, like you mentioned, not just for this season, but for this entire club going forward, these games where they do get those significant minutes, they do have to work through it, work through the hits, work through some of the adversity. That's only going to allow them to gain the necessary confidence to be contributing players when the lights are really on in the playoffs. And so I think that, that that last night's game overall was a huge positive in that sense. And I think that's what you heard from manager Peter Vermees. But then when Johnny Russell comes up to the podium and he's just focusing on all of the missed opportunities, which there were a lot of. And if there was one negative to pull from last night's game, it would be the fact that this sporting team did really have their way with FC Dallas in the second half with a lot of great opportunities. FC Dallas, their defense, really just shutting the whole thing down. You mentioned the blocks, and this was just uh, a huge effort from the FC Dallas defense, but Sporting will have to find a way to, to break through that and get the ball in the back of the net, especially down the stretch and as you get closer to the playoffs. But a huge positive being that the young players really um, have, have come into their own, and Gianluca Busio especially, just to call one, one player in that group out, not just a viable option at the number six, but maybe even the starter here going forward as he um, gets more and more comfortable and shows more and more promise there. We're going to get to Busio in just a second, but as for Johnny Russell, I'll tell you why he was so upset because he was the biggest victim of those blocks by FC Dallas. He was at the doorstep three different times and John Nelson, you have to give that guy credit. We talk all this stuff about homegrown players. He was a draft pick by FC Dallas and that guy defended like his life depended on and you could see the reaction from Johnny a couple times Carter 
where did this guy come from? He couldn't believe he hadn't scored on at least a couple of those. Yeah, there's some, uh, th some of the photographers did a great job of capturing. <laughs> there's a couple, you know, he's got his hands on his head for a few. Um, fair play to Johnny Russell because he actually does congratulate uh, John Nelson on one of the blocks. And there's a great photo of it out there. Given he's like looking the other way in disgust while at the same time giving him his, his dap, you know. So, yeah. Uh, and, and you mentioned it earlier, the one-one draw. You you feel like you do have to give credit to to Dallas for the, for the team defense, and it's always funny to me. You know, it's like an old school argument, right, of soccer haters that how can you draw a game? But I think when you look at the nuances of soccer games that happen and, and it's what you know we talk about what's it's what makes the sport so great goals are so tough to score um that you know sometimes sometimes it's honors even and and like you said nate the the blocks and the defensive efforts of guys like john nelson i mean bresson I'm, he might be peeing blood huh. the week you know i i uh they might have to donate a kidney for him the way he got tore up so uh they they, they left their bodies on the line and uh, you have to credit them for that well, Carter, yeah, he's, got, he's got time, though, if you wanted to go get a tattoo of that. The outline should be there uh, for any tattoo <laughs> artist yeah, to make a, a trace. A, just a nice, yeah, trace it out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true, though. Um, they didn't deserve to get three points, FC Dallas. But when you play like that, you defend like that, to me, you earn something. You earn a point out of that game. And Dallas did. You, I hate to tip the cap to him, but that's, to me, that's part of where the credit has to go. Now, let's get to the, to the young players in this game. Before we get to Busio, we're going to play for you a clip from, uh, from Peter Vermees about just the four homegrowns in general and how they performed. Because let's, let's face it, it's one thing to come in when you're one homegrown player surrounded by veterans. It's also another thing to come in as a homegrown young kid and be asked to just kind of fit in for 15 minutes or so in a game. It's another thing to go out there for 90 minutes and be told you need to drive the game. And that's what these kids did. Here's what Peter Vermees had to say after the game about their performance. I think like a lot of players, when they first start out, they're maybe a little skittish, a little, little nervous. But uh, he started to get into the swing of things. And I thought that he finished the, the half really well. Um, you know, I think for when you look at all the young guys that, you know, got their starts tonight, um, the other part of it as well is they, um, you know, they helped get a result. You know, it's, it's I think we deserve three, but... Uh, all three guys also came off the you know came off the field at halftime, um, helping us be even our head at halftime, which is a big goal of ours. Each time we step out on the field, and and they worked hard to do it. And and I, and I thought you know Cam, Cam really started getting into a little bit of a routine in the game as the game wore on. So it was good for him. Um, and I think when he started the second half, he was uh, much different than the way he started the first half. So yeah, I think he had a good performance. Okay, guys. So Ali, we're going to talk about Boos in just a second here. But we've got to give our credit to the other two guys as well because Boost has had a few games now to continue to build up as a starter for particularly Cam Duke, who we're about to talk to. He's just got a few minutes of experience. He didn't even play with Sporting Kansas City 2 before all this, and now here he is making a start in a game like this. And for Felipe Hernandez, he'd only made one other start before, and that was that disastrous game down at FC Dallas last year. But those guys to come in here and play the way that they did, give me your thoughts on those two. Yeah, I, I just think Vermees said it perfectly. Once they settled into that game last night, it looked so natural. And, and I mentioned it earlier, the more experience that these players get, the more important it'll be for this team down the stretch. What Vermees has the luxury of getting right now is the opportunity to really evaluate 
these players while still getting good results, while still sitting at the top of the Western Conference. Not every coach can just plug and play different players on their bench into, into the lineup, into the starting lineup, and get the results that Sporting's been getting. And so I think you look at what the three of them did. Yeah, they started out a little shaky, a couple of great interceptions by by Busio, by Hernandez, by Cam Duke, some giveaways. And, and again, once they just kind of figured out what was working, what wasn't, getting that chemistry built up and, and understanding what their role was supposed to be, it, it looked so natural for all of them. And that's not something that I think you, you would have even seen a few months ago or even last year. So just goes to show the progress that they've been making throughout this very unusual 2020 season. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the season, if you you say, hey, you're going to be without your top four midfielders for for a game, you know, how's that going to go? Maybe some some questions would have been asked. And, you know, Busio certainly, he's with his performances, maybe finding his way up in terms of being one of the top midfielders on the team. But you're without, I mean, you're without two World Cup veterans. I just, I, I mean, I think the injury of, Felipe Gutierrez has been overlooked so so massively by a lot of people. And it's, you know, he's arguably been the best player for sporting since he came over here. So he's a, a massive loss. And you're without Kinda and Espinosa and Ilya in this game as well. And and I think it, it does, like you said, Ali, speak a lot to the development of these players. And um, I think we've gotten a front row seat to, to Felipe Hernandez and, and the leaps and bounds that he's made each year. And, and, uh, that's been really one, wonderful to watch, and he really contributed in this game. And then, Nate, as you mentioned, uh, we haven't really seen Cam Duke before this year. I mean, he got signed and was hurt, so he didn't really get a run out at all with SKC2 last year. And um, the guys have been just ranting and raving about him, and you see it in training. Uh, he's just – he's so tough on the ball. And, and you see these players that are twice the size of him, like a Tiago Santos, and it's tough for them to to knock him off the ball. He's He's got a wonderful center of gravity, and he, and he just glides past players in midfield, and we saw that in the game. And he almost scored. I thought he I thought he hit that rebound really well, except the only mm. problem is it's, it's implanted on uh, <laughs> Bresson's side. So uh, oh, if he had just been a step to the left or the right, he would have he would have had a yeah. perfect angle on that. And one other thing too on Felipe Hernandez, this just always impresses me in watching his game. There are times where you almost forget he's on the field because he's just doing everything right. I, I think that last night he just his positioning, the way that he moves throughout with ease, is able to connect different parts of the game is just so effortless. I love watching uh, him work and, and we know that uh, Roger Espinoza has had nothing but great things to say about him but I just think the effortlessness uh, in watching him play and just the three of them together. Carter, I loved how Jalen said before the game that it felt like an academy game almost and you can kind of see uh, the chemistry that the three of them had especially once that was growing throughout the, the entire game itself was, was just really cool to watch. What better testament to this vertical integration that Peter Vermees has talked a bunch about than a group of guys who have played together, understand the system, and have that chemistry coming up and delivering at the first team level the way that they did. Last point I'll make about the other two guys before we get specifically into Busio, they're not big guys. I mean, Carter mentioned that. I mean, you look at them on the field, they're, they're small and they're young, so they might put on a little bit of meat, you know, on the bones before, you know, time goes on, but um, you can – Sometimes look at that. I, I will admit that I did. And I wondered going up against a physical midfield like FC Dallas, you know, will they get bullied around a little bit in that midfield? And those guys did not back down from the challenges. They were winning tackles. They were getting stuck in. And, and that really stood out to me. 
Now, as for Busio, there's some stuff to talk about with him, and we want to hear what Peter Vermees had to say. Is he a six? I don't know. Let's hear what uh, let's hear what Peter Vermees had to say about Boos after the game. It's, it's great. Um, you know, I was having a couple games ago all these questions about him and his defending, but you know, as I say, I don't I don't look at it just in a game to game situation. I've looked at his progress for a long time now, and um, you know, he he never looks out of place out on the field. And he's taken he's taken a big step up. He covers a lot of ground, um, especially from side to side, not just you know forward uh, and back, but side to side. It's not easy in that job to cover as much as he does, but he's doing a great job of it. And always maintains a real good composure on the ball as well. So, uh, yeah, great great uh, progress by him. Great evolution of of his game. When you play a certain system, um, obviously there's certain there's a certain role and responsibility that goes with each position. What he's doing is he's letting his qualities um, make the position different. Uh, you know, he, he can separate himself uh, with the way he turns, with the way he dribbles guys. Um, you know, he can, he can play the ball both with left and right. He's got a long-distance shot. There's just a lot of things that he brings to that position that's a lot different um, than, than other guys can. And so... It's just, you know, he keeps, he keeps getting better. And, I, you know, I don't know. Am I going to tell you that that's his spot for the rest of his career? Um, he can play anywhere in that middle of the midfield. He can also play as a winger. He does a great job there as well. So, um, but this is really, really good experience for him. And, he's, and like I said, every game we play, he gets better and better. And, and I think all of his teammates realize it as well. All right, there's Peter Vermees on Gianluca Busio. You might be able to see if you're watching our stream right now that we have Cam Duke joining us right now. So we're going to finish up this point about Boos take a break, and then we'll get to Cam, maybe get his thoughts on it as well. But, guys, I think this is something to explore because I don't know about you. I heard from people on social media, friends of mine, texting me after the game. One of my buddies texted me and said, Busio's a six. Who knew? I ended up uh, texting Peter Vermees and Kerry Zavagnin something similar to that, saying, is this, is this where he has always belonged? He just looks like he is growing in that position at an exponential rate in a short period of time. And their response to me was, look, he has looked really good and he has grown in this position. That doesn't mean he is a hundred percent of six. What it means is he's a really good soccer player. That was the way Peter Vermees put it to me was you get the sense. I got the sense from talking to Peter last night. If it had been playing at the eight, if it had been playing at the 10, you give this kid four games in a row playing in one of those positions. He's going to grow in his understanding of the responsibilities and he's going to be good at it just because he's really good at this game. What do you guys make of that? Because he does. If you, you don't have to squint to picture a guy who looks really good at the six right now, but maybe that's just because we're, that's where he's playing at this point in time. Allie, I'll start with you. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it does completely speak to the quality of Gianluca Busio as a player. But I also think that the six within this system with Sporting Kansas City highlights a lot of his skills and abilities even better. Not to say that he's not a great attacking player because we've seen him do exceptionally in the attack. But if anything, it's allowed him in the way that he likes to score. He likes to shoot. He has an amazing strike. And when he can be kind of elusive from distance, like we saw in the game against Colorado the other weekend, because of where he's positioned now on the field and what, what he's able to do in, in getting back with the defense and connecting the game through, through the long passes and switching the field. I just think that he has such a great vision uh, of the field and of the game that this position for him is really allowing him to 
you know, use his attack minded nature and what he's always been as a player. And then now that he's picking up some of those defensive um, instincts as well, they're, they're just pairing really well together. And it's, it's actually servicing the team a lot better than maybe having him in the more natural positions that he had been playing. And I think it actually might open up more scoring opportunities for him as well, uh, deeper, you know, at, at the top of the box. Yeah, I think you're right uh, in the in the fact that some of his qualities have really come out in this particular position. And he talked to us after the Minnesota game and, and said he he feels like he can see the whole field from back there a little yeah. bit better. And then maybe, you know, when you're in the attacking third, you have to make those decisions really, really quickly. Um, and, and maybe just a little more time on the ball. And, and you can see, I mean, we've heard Peter Ramiz talk about it so many times the technical ability that he has so he can play every pass that uh, from that position and uh and he's starting to pick up the nuances as well i think he's learned well from Ilya about always checking his shoulder and that you really need to do that in that position something that Ilya says time and time again is is a really key part of playing the six in this system so you're starting to see him do that really well he's breaking up play um, he's, he knows where to turn on guys. I think Nate and Jacob, you talked about it in the broadcast. One of the more impressive plays was when he received the ball in his own box late on in the second half, I think from Beasler, mm-hmm. and he had a guy right on his back and he gave a little feint to the right and turned inside, lost the guy completely. And when, and that just completely relieves the pressure. So you need that in that sixth position, always wanting the ball, no matter how, uh, how many players are in on him. And he's got that technical ability. And then, uh, just the, the other thing you guys talked about was I heard it from Jalen Lindsay as well. And as a young player, the ability to play in multiple positions and just do whatever your team wants and needs from you is such a, is such a, a great asset to have. And, you know, Steven Gerrard started out getting minutes at right back and he, you know, he didn't turn into a right back, but he showed his qualities as a soccer player, as you guys have said about Busio. And I think this is a position he could grow into for sure. Um, but, yeah, I wonder, uh, maybe maybe we'll see him somewhere else. But, man, he's really impressing right now. Look at Graham Zussi, you know, back in the midfield for the first time since 2015. Yeah, that had to be fun for Zussi. Yeah, to get to do that again. But he's been able to play on all three lines, uh, Zussi, and, and there's no surprise that he is right there with Matt Beasler in terms of most appearances, minutes, all that stuff in Sporting KC history. Well, I'll tell you what. A guy who can say literally, I grew up watching Graham Zussi play, and now he's playing alongside or even getting subbed out for him in a game is Cam Duke. He's joining us now, so we're going to take a break. This is the Sporting Kansas City Show. Cam Duke joins us next, right after this. What's up, Cam? How are you, man? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, we'll uh, we'll get this started for you, okay? All right, sounds All right, good. You ready, Allie? Yep. Here we go, three, two, one. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, on the Facebook page, on YouTube, with the video stream, if you want to see our beautiful faces. Um, and, of course, uh, on podcast as well, if you want to have us on demand. And speaking of beautiful faces, we're joined now by one of the young, fresh faces of Sporting Kansas City, Cam Duke, pride of Blue Valley West High School, pride of Overland Park, Kansas, younger brother of Christian Duke, and now 
uh, we can say a man who has started an MLS game as a teenager. That doesn't, that doesn't happen very often. Cam joins us. Uh, Cam Duke, how are you, man? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks. How, how, does, uh, how does the body feel after your first MLS start? Um, it, it's a little bit sore. I haven't really gotten that many minutes in a while, but I'm feeling good after it, and hopefully I can get some more minutes. Okay, well, good. We're, we're going to talk about all this stuff, but I've got to start with a couple things. Number one, that shot, I think it was your last <laughs> touch of the game. First of all, Breston's going to have like that, that, that ball imprint tattooed on the side of his body. Um, but man, I was thinking I could see it from upstairs. You're running up to it. The ball's coming to you. And I'm thinking to myself in my head, oh, how special would this be if this kid scores the game winner in his first ever start at the stadium where he used to be a ball kid. What, yeah. are, do you have the time? To, were you thinking all that as you were running up to that? Are you seeing all those things when you take that shot? Because, man, you, you had a chance. Yeah. Um, once the ball popped out, I kind of started to see my name in lights. And <laughs> just honestly, I just shot it as hard as I could and was hoping that it went in. But there were a lot of players in the box at that time. So, unfortunately, it hit someone and wasn't able to go in. But. Cam, being from the Kansas City area, I saw your brother, your older brother, Christian, hyping you up on Twitter. I'm sure your family uh, was all about the, these last few games, not even just the start last night, but obviously the MLS debut as well. Um, what's it been like, you know, for your family and all this and, and seeing you achieve this level of success and just a year later uh, since signing your pro contract, getting, getting some field time sporting Kansas City? Yeah, um, my family's been uh, very excited for me, and they've been supportive uh, of me throughout this whole process, and this has always been a dream of mine, so they've just been very excited for me, and hopefully I can uh, continue to keep doing well and getting minutes. Always been a dream for you, so what was, I guess, when you were told you're going to be in the starting lineup, you know, what, what's that going through your mind, and then leading up to the game, you know, what, what was kind of like your, your game day um approach to to making your first start yeah obviously knowing that I was going to start the first game or this game coming up um I had a bit of nerves but um I just thought to myself this is a good opportunity for me to showcase myself and like obviously I would have to start at one point so what better way to do it than in my hometown stadium um but yeah I just prepared the same way as I always do for the games and um, yeah, I thought I did pretty well for my first game starting, but obviously there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done. We've got Cam Duke with us. The other moment in the game I want to ask you about, Cam, we, we all noticed it. Carter and, and Allie and I all were thinking the same thing. First couple minutes of the game, there was a run you had right down the middle of the park, and, and I think we all thought you were going to pull the trigger on that one, but you <laughs> laid it off. Yeah. Let me ask you honest question. If that's your 10th game in the league, as opposed to your first start, are you pulling the trigger there? Or, or if you have to do it over again, are you still laying that ball off? Yeah, um, I was kind of discussing it with the, some of the players after the game, and we were talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I probably should have shot it. I was, I was at the top of the box, and it was probably a good opportunity for me to shoot it. But uh, at the moment, I guess I just decided to lay it off to Gerso because I thought he would be able to – he's one of the vets, and yeah. I thought I'd give him the opportunity to get the chance to score. But probably as time goes on, I'll get more comfortable and uh, pull the trigger in that situation. 
Did Vermees have anything to say about it? And where on the field are you most comfortable scoring from? Every I, I remember like when I played, I loved being the recipient of the ball right across the box, like just redirecting it into the corner. But every player is different. Where do you prefer to have the ball if you are like, okay, I've got this. I'm scoring this goal. Yeah. Where in, on the field are you most comfortable? Um, I'm probably most comfortable scoring like kind of in the six, either in the six or like if the ball's cut back kind of at the top of the box and it's a first time shot. That's kind of what I kind of look for in the games. But yeah, I'm not, I would, I wouldn't consider myself a player that takes many shots. I'm more of the um, kind of like dribble a little bit and then dish it off and then let the forwards do their job. But yeah, I think that's one of the things I need to work on as an attacking midfielder is um, taking more shots because we have a lot of opportunities in games where we need to do that. Okay, so I think a unique, unique situation for you to come in for your first start. I feel like a lot of young players, especially, they'll kind of ease them in into a lineup with a lot of regular starters, maybe a lot of veterans alongside them. You were in a, in a lineup with uh, Felipe Hernandez and, and Gianluca Busio, so two academy guys. Um, you had Jalen Lindsay in there for another academy guy. What was, what was that aspect like for you to be in midfield with, with two guys kind of uh, that have come up with you? Yeah, um, I thought it was uh, exciting for me. Um, obviously, it gave me a little bit more like confidence and it made me a little bit more comfortable because I've I've played with them uh, in the academy, and also they're also they're young like me too. So um, it just made me feel more comfortable um, playing alongside them. But I thought um, we did pretty well, and there's just we can we can keep continuing to improve as well. But I thought for the most part we did well as a young lineup. So it. Uh... It looked like FC Dallas's approach in the first 15 minutes was, let's put these kids under some pressure. Let's mm -hmm. see how they deal with it. And obviously they scored their early goal, although I'll point out that you three young guys in the midfield weren't really involved in that sequence. But, but they, were, they, they, they jumped on you guys quick. Mm -hmm. What was going through your mind at that time? I mean, was it a little bit like, oh, whoa, these guys are coming fast and furious even though they're on the road? Did it surprise you? What was it like dealing with that early in the game? Yeah, um, I felt, yeah, like you said, I feel like they were kind of, uh, they're obviously older, a little bit bigger and stronger. So kind of, they kind of went in hard in the first couple of challenges against us. But I feel like um, as the game went on, we kind of just started to play our game a little bit. And that's what allowed us to get um, the goal, like the other Kyrie's goal. Um, it just, yeah helped us I guess just speaking of out. speaking of Kyrie's goal how important was leveling the score right before the half to help calm those nerves then going into the second half and, and really settling into the game there yeah I think uh getting that goal was very important because um we were on the upper hand I feel like at the end of the first half and coming into the second half it gave us a little bit more of a boost and I feel like in the second half we were just we were the the dominant team. I feel like we created a bunch of chances. Um, the only problem we had was not finishing those chances, but um, obviously we're going to work harder to score next time. So Cam, Ali already asked you about, and you said you, you had a lot of family support leading up to this moment. What was your phone like uh, when you when you got back to the locker room after this, this first start? Yeah. Um, um, 
I I had a bunch of texts and missed phone calls and stuff. Um, everyone was just so happy for me, and I couldn't uh, thank them enough for the support. All right, we're visiting with Cam Duke. Let, let's uh, let's let our audience get to know you a little bit better since you're still, you know, you're still relatively new to the fan base. We had fun on the broadcast. We showed a picture of you as a ball kid <laughs> with your older brother Christian, and then uh, a picture that was making the rounds on social media today was you as a ball kid with Matt Beasler. Uh, <laughs> he's, he looked the same. He looked he like Matt Beasler, and you just looked like a little kid, you know, like any other kid that gets to go take a picture with Matt Beasler. What was it like for you when you were a ball kid for Sporting Kansas City? I mean, just can you – what do you remember about those days? Yeah, um, I thought they were always exciting times, uh, just a ball kid for the first team because you would get to actually be up very close. <laughs> <laughs> and just watch the game from like eye level and field level and it just made you want to be out there and now that I'm out there it's just funny to look back at and see how small I was and those experiences I went through uh, so Allie Allie had the, the background <laughs> picture I want to see that again she had the photo okay, of one it. sec but, but here's uh, here's what I want to know while Allie's putting that picture up there of you and B's Oh, <laughs> there it is. Those are uh, good times. Do, you, do you remember that? Yeah, do you remember that picture, that. by the way? Yeah, yeah, I think it was at Union Station after uh, the MLS Cup. We won. Wow. Yeah, that, the 2013 pep rally. That's incredible. So um, I have so many questions about this, but as a ball kid, do you have any good stories? Like, did you ever get yelled at by a famous player for not paying attention or not throwing the ball in at the right time? Or did Peter ever jump on any good stories about like, you know, getting, you know, being a ball kid there and the pressure that goes with that job? Um, I don't think I have any really like special moments because I was just always like, I did I was the person who didn't want to get yelled at. So I was just always ready on my toes, but I would always just try to help the team as best as possible, like getting the ball in as quickly as possible. And then if it was the opposing team, I would just roll the ball to make them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's, it. That's no how crazy, it goes. <laughs> no crazy stories, thankfully. I'm curious for you, what the average kid out there can identify with, oh man, it'd be fun to be a ball kid and be out there and be in close proximity to all these great players. But when you grow up, with your dad being who he was and your brother being who he was and knowing Peter Vermees and all that, were you starstruck by any of these guys? Like if, when you go take that picture with bees, mm -hmm. are you nervous at that time? Or was it just no big deal to you because you were around those guys all the time? Um, I think even though I was kind of like around those guys, I was still a little bit nervous just because they were the ones uh, playing in the games. They were the professionals at the time. And I was just in the Academy and, I, I wanted to be where they wanted they were at the time so obviously I feel like I was a little bit nervous but now it's just now they're my teammates so now we're just all good like good friends and stuff so it's an awesome story I mean now you guys are teammates and now you got a, a, a trip to Houston this weekend uh, obviously just about a week ago they came to Children's Mercy Park and you, and uh, you guys didn't get the result you you wanted is it nice to have a chance at revenge so so quickly after that game last week yeah um i think going to their stadium this time uh it'll give us a little bit more like motivation because they obviously um 
got the win against us, but now we're going to want to come back and get kind of get revenge on them. And hopefully we can do that this weekend. Well, hey, Cam, we really appreciate the time. Congratulations on a big game. We know the best is still yet to come, so we can't wait to watch out there again. And hopefully we get to talk to you again real soon. Thanks for the time, man. Yep, thank you for having me. All right, that is Cam Duke. Cam. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and wrap things up on this edition of the SKC Show by previewing that matchup against the Houston Dynamo right after this. All right, we're back uh, to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show. Allie had to duck out, so it's me and Carter Augustine uh, to look forward for you uh, with the Houston uh, Dynamo coming up on Saturday at 7 o'clock. Of course, you can watch that game on Fox Sports Kansas City Plus, and you can listen to it on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Before we get to the game, though, Carter, a couple thoughts on that uh, conversation with Cam Duke. Um, I, I think it's it's crazy to think about a kid growing up in Kansas city, being a big fan like that, spending all this time around the club and then still some of those guys are still playing and he's playing alongside them. And it's kind of interesting to hear, like he, he says he's starstruck, but he's pretty matter of fact when he talks about that experience, I'm not sure I'd know what to do with myself. If I were out there on the field playing with some of my childhood heroes, the way that he's getting to be right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool story. I mean, um, from ball kid to to on the field, that's just so incredible. It's a dream that I think all those ball kids have. And, you, you know, you have to credit him for working on his craft over all his young years in this SKC Academy. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know how I would have – how I would have handled it, but, um, you know, that's why we're here and that's why he's there. <laughs> that plus maybe a little bit of talent and uh, work talent. ethic and, and everything. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. All right. Well, Hey, let's, let's move on to this game on Saturday night, uh, down in Houston. What do you make of this between the two just completely disparate results? Who's going to be available and who's not as well. I think one thing we can say this Houston team right now looking a little bit better than the one that we saw way back in March. 100%. I mean, they follow up their uh, – they pretty. I mean, they just dominated sporting here uh, a week ago. They followed up with a really nice performance against Minnesota, 3 nothing. Um, so maybe Tab Ramos is starting to get the, the guys to gel a little bit in how he wants them to play. They certainly have – attacking options that you feel like are danger players. So mm -hmm. um, if they can shore up the, the, the defensive side of the ball, you feel like they might be a sleeping, uh, sleeping giant here ready to awaken. And so, um, yeah, I'm not sure what to expect, man. And you think sporting's got to be really smarting from, from that five, two just last week. And um, just talking to the guys around the, today, it's, it's, I think, a good thing that they're playing so quickly and it's still fresh on their mind. And you have to imagine that, um, you know, it's not made, revenge seems like a little strong of a word, but, you know, just as professional athletes, they're going to want to right that wrong, I think is how a few of them have put, have put it. Yeah, and I, you and I are watching a lot of the bubble action in the NBA. And we've talked about this before. When you, when you see a series you might see the Houston Rockets just blow Oklahoma City out in one game. 
And you know what? It starts 0-0 the next game, and yeah. it is a completely different ball game. And the way they defend certain actions is different. The way they approach the game is different. Who's got the hot hand that night is different. It, it's hard to explain in sports, but if you watch enough professional sports where there are series like that, you see it. So I'm going to be fascinated. Again, we've talked a lot about these cat and mouse games because sporting are playing against – it's a lot of rematches they've been playing so far. How, how does Sporting Kansas City approach this game differently than last time around? A lot of times I think the team that had the worst outcome is going to change things up a little bit more because if you're the team that had the good outcome, you think to yourself, let's just do that again. Um, and so it, it's going to be fascinating to see how Sporting Kansas City t- decide to approach this one, and particularly on the road now. Yeah, I think what bodes well for them is we saw the ability to rotate the squad in this game against FC Dallas, and they got a point – Gosh, if they could have got three out of that, though, it would have been so fantastic considering the rotation. But you hope, and I think obviously this would be the coaching staff's plan, is that you'll have some rested guys for this weekend's match against Houston. Then you get the full week to go to the next game. So I think when you look at planning out your squad rotation, it, it seems to make a lot of sense to me the, the way that they did it. And so, you know, you're going to a – hopefully it's – not too hot. I'm looking at the forecast and only 66% humidity uh, <laughs> on Saturday. So I say only, but you feel like it could be a lot worse down there. 90 degrees throughout the day. So um, maybe maybe not the worst in terms of what you can get down in Houston, but certainly not pleasant. Um, and that could be a factor in the day day of traveling schedule as well. So to have some rested bodies, I think will be a huge boost for, for SKC this weekend. Hey, it can't be hotter and muggier than it was down in Orlando, right? I mean, you hope? Houston, uh, Houston is, a, is a beast of its own, but <laughs> the fact that we're into September now, I think will we'll help that and not be as, as bad as Orlando in July. Hey, a couple of things. So before we wrap things up, September is Kick Childhood Cancer Month. So if you go to MLSsoccer.com, you can get the details on that because you see the little superhero uh, scarf right behind uh, Carter. Other one, there you go, uh, right behind Carter. That's one of my favorite ones. I've got that on my scarf wall at home here too. But uh, look, we talk about this during the middle of a pandemic. Our friends who are battling cancer, the children that are cancer warriors out there, they need help more than ever during a pandemic because now we're talking about the most vulnerable of our population to now an additional threat out there. So everything we can do to help kids in their fight against cancer through the Victory Project, through uh, the, the you know, Kick Cancer Initiative with MLS, um, please make sure you do. Carter's wearing his Victory Project shirt. I'm wearing my, uh, my, my I Bleed Sporting Blue shirt because we've got, uh, we've got some blood drives as well. Friday, if you listen to this on Thursday, Friday, there's one. Go to sportingkc.com and you can get the details there to sign up because that is another massive need uh, right now is uh, for blood transfusions in this country, right, Carl? You, I know you've donated. I've donated lately. It's uh, You're going to save somebody's life if you go and do that. Yeah, I, I mean, talking to the community blood center yesterday, because um, we were, we were going to talk about it on the game, they, the quote was desperate. They said they're desperate for, for blood. So if anyone listening can do it, yeah, get out to Children's Mercy Park on Friday, September 4th, if you can. Uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And, and I think you get a free ma- a sporting victory project mask if you, if you show up. So that's a boost. But if you can't make it then, there's seven area uh, community blood center locations. Call in and make an appointment because they said 
they get a 70% of their blood comes from drives that happen mostly at like college campuses, schools, stuff like that. And obviously with the pandemic, those just aren't happening. So they're missing out on a huge portion of their blood donations as they count on each year. So um, they said they're desperate. And so hopefully we'll see a lot of people out there um, for, for the blood drive. I think we might have one or two in the future as well after this week. But yeah, if you can't make it, uh, definitely call in, sign up, and um, they need it. Yeah, there's no doubt. And they usually tell you that one uh, donation of blood can save up to three people's lives. I mean, it's you, you want to talk about what, what difference can I make in the world? That's something you can do that literally will save somebody's life. Boom, instantly. And uh, what, what more could you ask for for that? So on that note, our thanks to Cameron Duke, Ali Trost, Carter Augustine. We're going to sign off. We'll see you on Saturday, 7 o'clock, 6.30 pregame. Carter, you'll be down there, right? You'll be down in the in the heat and humidity. No, you're gonna be oh, nah, didn't make the plane team. for this one. Didn't make the plane for this one. Didn't make the cut. So uh, maybe we'll have some Carter Nuggets. So, uh, we'll we'll see how we'll see how that works out. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll be tuning into the pregame. That's for sure. There's our bright side. Hashtag Carter Nuggets coming your way on Saturday, hot and fresh. Uh, that's gonna do it for us. We'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.